you just tuned into the hippest way to start and grow your indie author career, learn the ins, the outs, and all the all-arounds of self-publishing with the team from D2D and their industry-influencing guests. You're listening to Self-Publishing Insiders with draft digital Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we are live from draft digital the, the sort of virtual draft digital We're, you know, we're still kind of all spread out uh, here at the tag end of the apocalypse. Uh, so all very grateful that uh, things are starting to kind of open up. Uh, and we're all looking forward to returning to the office pretty soon. Most of us. I'm, I, I'm probably still not going to see any of these people in the flesh for a few months yet. But uh, thank you for tuning into our virtual faces here on uh, Facebook and YouTube for Self-Publishing Insiders. And with me, I am Kevin Tomlinson, by the way. I'm the Director of Marketing and uh, Public Relations for draft digital And to my virtual... I'm. My virtual right, I can't even tell my directions on here, but uh, Dan, you're up. Uh, what, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Dan Wood. I am the uh, VP of Operations here at draft digital And Mark, what do you do? What do I do? <laughs> uh, I hang out in Canada representing draft digital from the from the frozen north, and uh, I'm the director of business development at draft digital Excellent. Now, uh, so that's three big draft to digital brains all in one space. And we are here today to answer any questions you have about draft to digital, about the self publishing space, uh, anything that we can uh, field for you, we're happy to do. So uh, fire your questions off right in wherever you're watching this. If you're watching live, you can pop your questions into the Facebook uh, uh, where the video is playing in Facebook or on YouTube. Uh, if you are listening to this as a pre-recorded podcast, uh, you could still send us questions. We're we're open to it. Why don't you, you know, pop on over onto those videos? We we tend to monitor uh, those things and answer questions as we go. And of course, if you have questions about the service, you can always email support at draftdigital.com. We're real live humans, uh, mostly sitting in Oklahoma City. I used to always say they're they're sitting right in Oklahoma City. Uh, some of them are, and some of them aren't at this point. And, uh, but you can still get all your questions answered there. So, uh, so we have a question and Mark, you already sort of volunteered to, to answer this one. Do you want to, uh, I'm going to pop it up here. So, uh, the question is, I'm going to assume it's pronounced Gil Jackson, although Mark threw me off by saying Jill Jackson earlier. So I apologize either way. Uh, but the question is, uh, as a UK author of sci-fi, when I'm writing with a location that is the USA, should I use American English or English English, or does it make any difference? So, uh, Gil, in the in the historic, the prehistoric days of traditional publishing only, where you would have uh, Penguin Random House UK, Penguin Random House Canada, and Penguin Random House US, the UK and the Canadian offices would probably go with the proper British spelling, while the American one would go with uh, other English. Uh, that is probably more dominant. What I would say is, uh, because you're publishing internationally and globally, and it's the same book, I would always default to American English. <laughs> I say that as a Canadian, because uh, Gil, as a as a you know UK author, you know that color is spelled C O L O U R, but in America it's spelled without the U. It's just got the O. And anyone who's reading it in the UK and Canada is used to translating. 
I would argue that some folks in the U.S. might not realize there's a different spelling or center spelled R-E rather than E-R, and they'll think you're an idiot, and they'll give you a one-star review. So what you want to do is you want to give people the least amount of, of opportunity to think you don't know how to spell. Um, another thing is uh, it'll actually, in a lot of cases, because the American spelling is a little bit shorter, and it saves you a little bit of space, too. There you go. So it can help. Uh, Americans I know are very efficient. Yeah, they, they do that because it leaves more room for uh, ads even uh, in Canada. Exactly. So I, I would go with that default because otherwise you have to manage multiple editions and you don't want to do that as a small business, uh, you know, as an author. You want that yeah. one universal um, edition. I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I weirdly do a sort of hybrid. I don't know why it is, but I tend to. I tend to default uh, for some reason on a lot of different words. I default to the British spellings for some reasons, uh, for some wow. reason. And I don't know if it's because I, I read quite a bit of British uh, literature. Maybe that's it. Uh, but it's, it tends to just happen. And one of the things that helps me catch that um, is uh, tools like uh, Pro Writing Aid and Grammarly. Yeah. Uh, will alert you if it's a British spelling. So you may look into running your stuff through that if you do decide you want to write in quote-unquote American English. Um, the thing is, though, there are certain words that I just, I prefer the British uh, spelling, like like leapt. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to write leaped. That that bothers me. Uh, the that ed bothers me. I want. I want my character to to have leapt. Uh, so you know it's. And sometimes uh, there. I don't know if there's anyone out there that's. Um, I had heard rumors that certain retailers actually uh, may ding you for British spellings in an American oriented uh, literature. Um, I don't know how true that is. I've heard Amazon will do that on occasion. So that is something to consider. Uh, so whatever you're, you're putting down as your sort of country of origin, you may want to, you may want to default to that. their spelling. So, uh, Dan, did you want to throw anything in there? You, I, it really does come down to Americans are kind of jerks about leaving reviews <laughs> and not being aware that there are other ways to spell things that are probably more proper. So yeah. Yeah. yeah Don't I, put I agree completely me. with what Mark's been saying. Um, yeah. Just going with American is going to help you at the American spellings. However, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a good thing, but it's the most dominant market for the English language eBooks. And so it's probably the way to go. If you are, you know, if you are writing something that is set in America, I would say that's it's probably it's probably pretty important to just go ahead and use American yeah. spelling just because that is going to that's going to call attention to things. Uh, people are going to react to that. And I say the reverse is true for uh, the UK. I mean, if you're writing something that's set in London, uh, you should endeavor to use uh, British spellings. That just makes sense to me. But. Uh, not easy. Uh, and it's another good reason to find an editor uh, from the region where you're targeting your book, where you've set your book. Uh, you might want to find someone who can just do what we call a localization edit. Uh, that's a term I completely made up, but I use it a lot now, uh, which is editing to help you localize your work, make it feel like it's something local. So uh, I, I usually talk to people about doing that in in a different language, like you know, if you were translating to German or something, but you know, kind of translating to uh, American or British English, I guess. So uh, let's see. Gil had another question. 
uh, from earlier. Uh, what is the order for downloading paperbacks on different platforms? Uh, go uh, DDD, then Ingram Spark, and Amazon in regard to the rejection message. ISBN is being used on another platform. Uh, can I start? Sure. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, don't use both DDD Print and Ingram Spark because you're pretty much going to the same places. It would yeah. be like trying to use Amazon Extended Distribution and Ingram Spark or and DDD Print. You're, it's just going to be overlapping. So I would I would choose one or the other, whatever you prefer. And, you know, obviously we're we're a little biased towards DDD Print, uh, but uh, and it's still in beta anyways right now. So whether or not, it sounds like you're probably in the beta program right now. Uh, in terms of the order, I would typically load my book to Amazon KDP Print directly. And then, well, I've been defaulting to using DDD Print. And what happens is Amazon, uh, in, in the nepotism, nepotism way that they do things, they'll just ignore the stuff that comes in and you yeah. should be fine. Uh, because yeah. when you're publishing either through DDD Print or through Ingram Spark, you can't say don't send it to Amazon. But Amazon tends to do uh, a thing that says, no, 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 no. We're just going to ignore that and we'll, we'll, we'll keep the one we have. Uh, I think you do get that error when you publish through Ingram Spark, where if it's yeah. already listed somewhere, you may get that duplicate ISBN error. I think that's what you're talking about, right, Gil? Although we can't really answer. I'm, I'm, I was waiting. Like, that's going to be interesting to hear the answer pop up. So, um, yeah. And I, you know, Mark, you want to be right. careful. <laughs> you're right as always, Mark. Um, you do want to be careful. Actually, I, you know what? You guys can help me figure this out once and for all because I always tell people making make sure you're not using the same ISBN even if you are doing different run, print runs through different printers. Uh, but I, I'm actually not sure at this point. I know that that's the truth when it comes to your ebook. You don't want to use the same ISBN uh, between your ebook and your print book or your ebook and various distributors uh is that true of print books i use the same because uh, as a canadian i register isbns here in, in canada yeah. and when i publish direct through kdp print i use the same isbn that i'll load uh through uh draft right. digital it's my isbn i own it it is the same edition it's just one's being printed here and one's being uh you know distributed through you know Right. Through another channel. So I need I need to update my advice is what you're saying. And it makes sense too, because that that does help you with tracking sales for that edition of the book. Um I just always worry about you know reusing ISBNs. I don't know why. I have from the start. So uh because they're especially if you're getting them for free in a couple of countries <laughs> like Canada and Australia. Mm -hmm. I think Australia is, but Canada for sure. Um yeah. it it you can use as many ISBNs as you want. However, um, it can help a little bit with the tracking or if you have to register, uh, it can save you some time. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're um, paying for the ISBN, then using ISBNs willy nilly is kind of uh, bad yeah. just because they cost so much. That's true. Yeah. And here in the U S we have to pay for all of them and you can get them in, in uh, batches if you want, but uh, they're, they're still not, not really cheap. I, I, and there's real, no real reason uh, to actually have to buy an ISBN. Uh, honestly, yeah. since every service gives you one for free, uh, it doesn't change any. If you use, if you use, you're talking about ebooks, right? Cause draft to digital print, uh, you get the ISBN for free too, but you don't exactly get that necessarily everywhere. 
You get it with that's KDP true. Print. If you're, well, you don't yeah, get I am. DDD print, do you? Do you get a? Yeah, you get a free one. You get a free well. ISBN yeah. uh, through DDD print, uh, just like with the eBooks, uh, and it's the same sort of quote unquote rules uh, that apply. Like you're not, um, you're not losing out on anything uh, by using the free ISBN. There's no, there's not going to. You're not losing ownership. You know, your your intellectual property still belongs to you. Um, you can use that ISBN. Freely, and the only thing that uh, is sort of associated with it is in like the Library of Congress, it will list Draft to Digital as the publisher. Um, but that doesn't change anything about whether or not you own it. You can do whatever you want. We claim no ownership of your <laughs> of your book <laughs> ever. Uh, so you, you know you can do what you like, and you're still listed as the publisher. Like on these various services, you you tell them what the publisher's name is. Uh, so Amazon and elsewhere, you'd be listed as you know, I have Happy Pants books, for example. So all my books are are listed under Happy Pants books. So Alyssa actually just a had, uh, just a quick nitpick about that. When we say you can use it freely, you can use it freely on our service. You can't take one of our right. free ISBNs and use it like if you're direct with your ebook. Um, just because of the way the rules ISBNs work, it has to be yeah. distributed through us to use our free ISBN. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you you will have a different ISBN for your print versus ebook. With your ebook, you can use the same ISBN for everywhere you go, um, but you do want a separate one for print. Very good point. Yeah, I did not mean to confuse that issue. Um, Alyssa wanted to add something to our earlier discussion. Uh, the too long didn't read is uh, coddle the Americans. So always good advice. Uh, coddle all your Americans. Coddle them close. So Lexi Price is asking, uh, I'm getting close to relaunching a book that had major rewriting done. Any suggestions? I, I'm happy to jump in. I just always try to – I want to make sure you guys have an opportunity. Uh, well, okay, yes. Uh, if you're having major rewrites done, there's nothing – I don't think there's anything that's going to be like a roadblock for you. Um I think you're you're good all around. You might want to make sure it passes through another round of edits because uh, when you do those those rewrites, there tends to be you introduce new errors and logical errors that at the, uh, are also kind of a possibility. So uh, you might get someone to actually do sort of a content um, edit for the whole thing just to check, make sure you're not adding a character who didn't exist or forgetting about a character in chapter five or something like that. Um, but no, there's nothing. Now, uh, this is, by the way, where you would use, if you've already published the book, this is when you'll get a chance to use the edition, uh, so, which is one that I think people overlook and forget. And I'm actually starting to see little hints that some services use that edition number to determine whether they should send alerts to readers that there's a new version of a book. Um, and I, I don't, I have seen it at least once. So I don't know how consistent anybody's being about it. And that was on Amazon. So, uh, but now you can put in like your, this is the second edition or third edition of that book. So congratulations. It's like you've opened up a whole new uh, tool to use. <laughs> uh, a couple things you may want to do to let people know, it depends on how much you've revised it uh, in, in traditional book publishing, a, a new edition or a new ISBN, a new like release is usually if more than 10% of the book is changed. And that's kind of in the textbook side of things. 
But um, you may want to do some branding either on the cover or in the blurb to inform readers that it's been revised, it's been updated. You sometimes see that with products and, you know, no improved yeah. Coke, whatever, not new Coke, but the, you know, that kind of thing where that, you know, the same great whatever new. Uh, and that may inform people, especially if you've done that many changes, it may inspire some of your biggest fans to go back and go, well, I want to read Lexi's director's cut or whatever. <laughs> right. Like right. remember when Stephen King published the stand, it was originally edited down to 800 pages. And then there was, <laughs> I got the, the, you know, the director's cut, the, the preferred edition, which is like 1200 pages. Yeah. Uh, and the same novel, but just with a lot more stuff in it. So potentially that could be a great thing for your fans. Lexi. If there's enough, I've seen a, a lot of, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry, Dan, go ahead. You haven't had a chance. I've seen a lot of authors that give a warning in the description just to make sure they don't get dinged in the reviews. Yeah. If it's a book someone's previously read, but they didn't realize that they had read it and bought it. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would say that that's the, the best advice, uh, but it's something I do see a lot. And so I would, you guys say you see that as well? Yeah, I see that quite often actually. Yeah. And, and I, the whole, it's, the, it's sort of the same thing they do or used to do with DVD. Are DVDs still around? Uh, yep. Blu rays and that sort of thing. Um, when they would have like a director's cut, they made a big deal of making sure it said on the cover, there'd be like a big strip that says director's cut. And uh, in the description, it would say the same thing. So I would go to that extreme and make sure that you are, if you're releasing a, a, a whole new version that is its own book and leaving the old version there, that's when you would do this. Uh, if you're just replacing the old book with a new edition, there's not a lot of need uh, to do that per se, but you might want to let people know that there have been updates and improvements or something in the description at a minimum. So, um, Okay, so this is an interesting question about D2D print, and I know where this is coming from. So Charles is asking, good morning, what's the difference between D2D print and D2D print classic? Who'd like Mr. to feel that? Mr. Wood. I think Dan. <laughs> yeah, D2D print Dan's classic was our, um, using our old partner, we, we've switched partners just recently. Uh, it's a process we began at kind of at the beginning of this year. Um, we had to have the two different uh types because we were working with two partners, the people that were already in the print beta before um, like February, March of this year, were still using the old system. And then new people we were adding into the beta were using the new system. Uh, as of last week, we switched everyone over into the new system. Uh, we're finishing up a couple of things working with our old partner as far as like orders that were outstanding. Um, but now you should, you should mostly I don't know if it's right now or if it's going to be soon. You'll only see one D to D print. Uh, the classic stuff will be going away. So this follows right on the heels of that question. Craig Price is asking, when does D to D print come out of beta? That's a good question. I, I, it very well could be one of those things like Gmail. If people remember Gmail was in beta for like 10 years. There, there's, <laughs> it's fully big. functional. Uh, yeah, it's fully functional as far as like when we'll take it out of beta. I, I think probably once we add international support for author copies and everything, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it already like you, if a reader buys your book internationally, it's already going through the whole supply chain where they can buy it and it'll be print on printed in the country nearest them. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there right now. It's cost prohibitive to do author copies. 
yeah. uh, in other countries, but uh, our new partner supports all of that. And so we'll be able to add a lot more uh, support than we've had in the past. Um, so I, I don't have an exact answer on when we might leave the beta, but we want to get the product up and running in the same way that our ebook process is so friendly and easy. Um, right. And print is much more complicated because you're dealing with physical objects. Um, I will say COVID really disrupted the entire supply chain of print and physical goods in general. Uh, so that kind of delay, like most of last year was a bust, like all of those so the beta testing we were doing at that point really wasn't telling us a lot other than the whole supply chain is taking a lot longer to deliver things than it normally would. Yeah. Um, and so um, things are going great with the new partner. We've been testing <laughs> with some new people into the print program for several months. We just moved our entire catalog over. Uh, and so that should give us a lot more uh, testing to see what they're capable of and like what their delivery times are. But yeah, Mark's ordered a lot of books. Uh, he's kind of been our guinea pig, but you've seen it's been much quicker delivery of yeah. books. Um, you've had less problems, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I think I should note is that uh, Craig, there are still, there's still a waiting list. You can still uh, get, get yourself added to the waiting list. And what we are doing is uh, as, as the, as we, you know, update things and, and test new things, We'll still slowly roll people in, uh, but we're just—it's not going to come out of beta till till we're we're you know uh, till it's of the D to D quality that people have come to expect uh, from yep. ebooks, etc. Pop this. Uh, up I will say, just real quick on on that same note, something that's new that we're doing uh, with our new partner versus the old partner is we we have introduced an idea of change credits, and so what we've learned for the past few years is. We were, we were hoping people had automated like all the <laughs> metadata feeds and all the exciting stuff that you don't really want to know about. But we were hoping we could just send people updates just like we do with eBooks. And that's just not the case. The print chain is based on much older software. Um, getting like change, things changed to like the, the blurb or your cover or the interior file just is a lot takes a lot longer. It, it's an automated process at some places or not an automated process at some places. And so um, you're going to be able to make a, a, a free change every so often, uh, like when you first uploaded the book, but you want to make sure and either, you know, very carefully go over the digital proof <laughs> that we provide or order a print proof copy to make sure it's exactly how you want before we <laughs> go ahead and send it on to all the different places. Because otherwise you're going to be charged. Like if you have to make like a little change, like let's say you find a typo, um, it's going to be like a $25 charge to make a change um, right after you publish it. Um, I, I don't remember. Is it, do you guys remember the time frame for you? You're going to get a free credit to make changes every, every so quarter, often. Every, every, every quarter. 90 days. Uh, yeah. yeah. So well, every quarter, that's uh, a better way to put it. Yeah. It's not yeah. necessarily strictly 90 days. Yeah. It's one, so you, you will be able to make changes. We just have to slow down the amount of changes you're making because the supply chain doesn't support it. Um, so just something to know. Um, <clears throat> but also yeah. important to note, Dan, is if you're making a change to your blurb or uh, any of the metadata associated with your book, it's fine. If you need to update the price, mm -hmm. it's the files that actually cause the systematic issue 
that cost the money, that cost the time, which is why on those systematic interior print file or uh, cover file, that's where mm. that's where you're going to be prohibited unless you purchase a credit. Uh, and yeah. that, that helps slow it down uh, so that it's not overwhelming for for a partner too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. It gets confusing to talk about. And like, again, the ebook supply chain is just so much easier in comparison, but print remains the dominant uh, format that people are reading in. Uh, and we really wanted to be a part of all of the formats. And so, you know, we now we've got the print beta, we've got audiobooks through our partnership with Findaway. And of course, we've been doing ebooks for about 10 years now, nine years. Some amount of time we've been doing ebooks. So, <laughs> yeah, and we should uh, we should just I guess put it out there that this is in beta. That, that it doesn't mean uh, that it's not ready for prime time. Uh, er everything about it being in beta is about us making it better for the author, uh, improving the author experience for it. Um, that's why you know we we're trying to figure out little problems like how to get inexpensive author copies to people in Europe, that sort of thing. Uh, so. If you're in the print beta, uh, from the reader's perspective, it, it's going to work just like any other POD service. We're being cautious only in that we want to make sure that we take care of authors the way we always have. So that's that's what that's about. Um, and I, everybody always asks us when it's coming out of beta. It really doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the beta part of it is only about protecting you. Um, so I've got more questions popping up. Uh, DDD print is a popular topic, guys. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Um, I'd love to use DDD print for my paperbacks and hardcover, but unfortunately, DDD print accepts manuscripts, uh, manuscript PDFs no more than 92 megabytes in size. Uh, we discussed this internally recently, and I don't remember where things landed. So Actually, Alyssa just uh, scroll down. Uh, Alyssa just confirmed with the developers on the update that happened, and I, maybe you can pop up her comment. Uh, she said, if I can see it. Um, we, we, we just changed that. We've been doing some testing yeah. on it, um, and we can support bigger files. Okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, she did pop it up. I saw it somewhere. I've just double checked. It, the developers, the new print size <laughs> limit is much, much larger. <laughs> she said that's what it was. Okay. For some reason, I'm not seeing that. So, yeah, uh, from a Facebook comment, she's saying if your file is less than 650 megabytes, it should. Here's work. this. One. I see that one. There so you, less, less than yeah. 600. So we're our upper limit is 650 megabytes now. So. Uh, and we I did just make was, that change, so uh, you yeah. are correct that we we had it limited uh, before. So, and that was sort of a holdover from something else. Uh, it, we from classic. I, it wasn't it, from classic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good. Uh, Lexi had asked. Uh, she said she corrected her, her, this to say ISBN uh, later, but she says so. I won't need a new ISBN. And that's true. You won't necessarily if you're releasing as a as you a. You don't. I, I I wouldn't do that. The the addition stuff. I, I kind of disagree with you on that. Uh, like none of the other retailers have addition stuff. I'm not quite yeah. sure. Is that a KDP thing that you're talking about? Amazon definitely does addition. Um, I think Apple does too. Like like Mark was saying, if it's 10 percent or more change, you really should switch ISBNs and release it as a new thing entirely. I wouldn't leave the old edition up because you're just going to split your rank between the two books and it's going to confuse readers. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So I, I would use a new ISBN uh, if it's changed that 10% or more. Otherwise, it's not really a major rework. It's just updating the file to be better. Um, but it, it sounds like you're kind of relaunching. And so I, I would go with the new ISBN and just make it a different thing entirely. Last summer, I revised a book originally published in 2016. Significant change, uh, like cover design for the whole series. There were edits. I don't think it was a 10% change. But I just I opted to just keep going with the same old ISBN, even though it was a completely new cover, um, because again I didn't want to lose the reviews and um, yeah, and maybe there would have been more relevance in terms of oh it's a new book and you know places like Amazon see get all excited about new books and don't care as much about backlist apparently, but yeah. at that point in time I just thought no it's the same it's pretty much the same book it's just been revised I'm just going to re-release it with a new cover and I think some authors. Uh, Joanna Penn revised even the titles of her first three books. And I think she went with the same ISBNs and then made made a note saying this used to be called something, but that's because yeah. the title changed too. And she didn't want people to think they, uh, you know, might not have already read it. So that's the, I think, be true to your readers and think about your readers and just be clear uh, with your updates or new, new additions. Interesting idea. I'm going to have to experiment and see, uh, see what happens if I re-release, -re you know, and the next edition I'll release as its own book and we'll see what happens. I you don't, don't want to lose those like reviews. The, yeah. So the reviews are one thing you would lose. Um, you get, you get the extra juice. All the algorithms give a new book. And so it's, it's going to get a little bit more visibility. If yeah. you're already ranking and it's selling perpetually, um, then that would be a reason to stick with the original. Uh, or yeah. like if you did have a lot of reviews, um, but generally, if you're doing a major rework, I, I assume that you're not as concerned about that. So yeah, yeah, true. Uh, we got a question from Charles Harvey again. Uh, do you guys have any opinion on Amazon Vela and are other retailers planning something similar? I was just uh, discussing this with, and he's in the chat. I see uh, Roland Denzel uh, in the uh, Facebook chat. Uh, I was just discussing this, and he kind of talked me off the the ledge uh, about it. Uh, but if you haven't heard of Amazon Vela, it's a, it's like radish. Uh, it's a um, uh, Amazon's releasing a service that lets authors serialize their stories. Uh, and you can, uh, you can release an entire book all at once in, in uh, chapters, or you can do an ongoing, uh, you know, every week or every month you're posting a new um Edition or a new uh, chapter or a new short story or whatever uh, set in that story. Um, and they have a fund that they're going to use to pay. So it's a little bit like uh, Kindle Unlimited. Uh, where it's a little different is it's not uh, requiring exclusivity per se. Uh, so if you are publishing in Vela, you can also publish on Radish and Wattpad. You just can't make the book free on those services. Uh, and uh, Otherwise, uh, it's pretty wide open. You also cannot publish a, a like a novel, like a complete work, complete book based on that story while it's still in Vela. So if you do a, your your book as a series of chapters, um, you can do it that way. But in order to release it as a full novel, you'd have to take it out of Vela. I think I've got all that straight now. Yeah, so, just can't publish uh, to Wattpad because that is free. Oh, but they have a paid version of Wattpad. Oh, I see. If you're in, if you have yeah. a, a paid, okay. Yeah, yeah. So at least I believe that's correct. So I could be wrong about that. I haven't used Wattpad in a while, so maybe I'm completely off. But 
what do you guys think of, of Vela as an opportunity for authors? It's 2010 again when serialized fiction was popular again. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was. I, I, I feel like it's just another one of Amazon's let's copy po like popular startups like Radish uh, yeah. for this market. Uh, there's a couple of different ones. Uh, there's Radish, there's Tapas, which Tapas was more aimed at like comic and graphic novel stuff, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's Amazon just covering their bases in case a format takes off. Um, they did it with uh, Kindle Scout, which was you know, kind of a Wattpad copy. They did it with a couple of other different things. Kindle Unlimited was to answer the threat of Scribd and Oyster and all the small subscription, all you can eat uh, type services. I don't see Amazon sticking with it, honestly. I, you know, I, I think if you have a, love of serialized content you've been wanting to write a serialized series that's worth pursuing yeah. i think amazon's just going to drop it in a couple of years like they've dropped 90 percent of those projects that were direct clones of some other small startup right it's a very popular um business model in uh asia it's just i, I don't see how it fits into the western market like it, it Anyone that runs the numbers is going to see that they're paying more for the book, like if and when they're buying it in those little token chunks, than they would if they just bought the book outright. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it could catch on. It could catch on with younger people. It's just that we have so many alternatives. Kindle Unlimited and Scribd offer pretty good, like Netflix style service. Kobo Plus for Canada. Uh, Kobo Plus for uh, Belgium and Netherlands. Netherlands. Netherlands, yeah. Um, there's just so many alternatives that if you run the numbers, will serve readers better. Like it'll be cheaper for them uh, and have plenty of content. Um, so we'll see. Like it with everything, uh, Kindle yeah. Unlimited did survive, but there's just so many projects that Amazon has started. They've told authors, "Oh, this is the new thing." They they've really made incentives for them to get in, and then they've dropped it at the you know basically at the drop of the hat they've gotten rid of it and you get like a month notice at most yeah i i, I was telling Roland this i just there's just something that i doesn't sit well with me um with it and i, I can't i can't put it in any logical terms but it, it just doesn't it to kind of turn i want to try it um i have an idea for something that i could try on it uh, but for some reason it just rubs me the wrong way Maybe because it's, well, it's like simply because it. it's Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th think, think about the reusability of the content. If you write a book and you put in Kindle Unlimited and Kindle Unlimited goes away, you can go post that somewhere else. With this, right. you kind of have to write this type of serial novel with a hook with every chapter to keep people buying. And yeah. so it's, it's just a little bit different style of writing in the way that there's a big difference between um, – like a show on NPC primetime versus a show on HBO where the show on HBO is planned as a whole story and they can have slow character building uh, episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Primetime, you just got to have the hook and you've got to resolve everything in like a nice little package in you know, 30, 40 minutes. So, right. Yeah. Uh, Roland uh, says, I'm quite the craw. Uh, but he also had a question. Uh, will books to read get an upgrade for print books soon? Can I take this one? Yeah, go <laughs> sure. ahead. Sure. Go ahead, um, Mark. 
<laughs> it is in the queue. Uh, it is uh, D2D print is obviously a number one priority to get that resolved so we can serve our authors better. And and I'm I'm uh, you know pushing this from the behind waiting until we can actually start doing some of that work. It's most likely going to be the way audiobooks is now, uh, yeah. where you'd have to add the link yourself. And the re one of the reasons is there are so many sites like Amazon where there's used editions of the book. And what we don't want you to do when you're adding uh, your print book link is we don't want to have to link to all these used editions where you're not going to get any money for it. We want you to be in control. I don't know. This is my print edition. I want to link to that on these all these different retailers. So, Roland, it should it should operate very similar to the way that the audio uh, books to read audio, and and in which case then it will become all books to read, uh, which I'm pretty passionate about. Yeah. It, yeah. It Amazon makes, makes it very sense. difficult. Uh, to scan, so we can't make it automated in the way that we have ebooks. Um, you know, we probably audiobooks at some point we can add into some auto automation, but print books with Amazon, especially the way in which they handle the buy box for a print book, it can go to any number of different bidders, like Mark included, uh, used, but even someone else, like through a, a different supply chain, like the Ingram listing for a book versus the Amazon listing for a book. Yeah. Um, and so it probably will be something where you have to automatic or where you have to manually in, input the exact link that you want uh, it to go to. Yeah. We yep. may be able to, with our print partner, once we get to that point, we may be able to figure out a way to identify, no, 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 this is the, this is the, this is the main link, for example, but it, you know, give the author control, I say. Yeah. <laughs> Just one of the many things we're working out behind the scenes. Um, all right. So Craig asks, uh, he says, he, he, this is back uh, talking about DDD print again. Uh, my main issue is I work with a company where we help others publish and we'd rather do DDD print than KDP. And uh, who can blame you? Um, so. <laughs> Are you on the waiting list, Craig? If, he's, if you're on the waiting list, we should, uh, we should try to get him uh, – Bumped up, huh? Try and just. Get, I, I get thought a at this kick. point, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, why don't you? Well, Alyssa can help. Alyssa will help, right, Alyssa? <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we don't know what we're going to do, uh, we have Alyssa do it. Uh, Craig also uh, asked, uh, "Can you share the link for uh, the beta?" Uh, it, it's it's yes. open again, so you can sign up for the wait list. Here, so, I had it on screen. So it is draftdigital.com slash print beta. Um, if you go there, uh, you go, you know, make sure you are, if you're not already, make sure you are signed up for that beta and it'll come through uh, via email to our support team and we'll, uh, we'll jump on things. So uh, I always yeah, have to add a few say, hundred like, people a week. So yeah. yeah. We are in. We had paused adding people while we were making uh, the adjustments uh, behind the scenes and switching things over. So um, now we're we've resumed what we had been doing before. So uh, Craig asks, uh, can you royalty share zero percent and one hundred percent? Can collaborators order print copies yet? Can I take the first one? Swing yes, that. you can. Well, I mean, a hundred percent or zero percent means there is no share. <laughs> but, but so, for example, with with royalty share, you you have a different royalty share for print and ebook. And so, let's say, for example, that you wanted to give someone zero percent on the on the ebook and whatever percent on the print. So, yeah, you can have a zero percent 
you can have 100% going all to one contributor. But if if it's just one, you can only add up to 100%. So uh, that, that's flexible. Uh, so I think uh, in terms of ordering print copies for collaborators, that's going to be something that I know we need to talk to our developers about the ability to do. Because I've, I've got numerous numerous collaborations just just got one in the, in the mail yesterday my author copy and it'd be great for you know my my co-author if she wanted a copy and, and print uh, she could just order it right now I have to facilitate it so that yeah. uh, Craig please email support and ask that question because then we can properly tag it and track it and so, and that can be a really solid discussion with our dev team to figure out if we can do that for you. He posted a follow-up to that that I think explains what he's trying to do. Because uh, if I'm interpreting this right, Craig, if I'm getting it wrong, let us know. But it looks like what, he's, what they're trying to do is, is share 100% with the collaborator. Uh, so they yeah. help them get it on. They set it up because they don't want to have to get each oh. collaborator set up in the beta. You. You get what I'm saying there? <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. They you want know, to I go can, through I the work. Test that out. Uh, I'll test yeah. it out and I'll, uh, I'll let you know, Craig. Uh, See, offline, this is the kind of, we expected and we fully uh, expected that people would uh, come up with creative ways to use this stuff. And that, that's one I hadn't heard yet. Uh, I think if it adds up to 100, that's all, all I remember from the rules. Be fine. Is it has to add up to 100%, right? Yeah. And so if I give you, if Kevin, I'll take our, I, I'll take our collaboration and I'll give you 100% and I'll see if I can do it. And then we'll let Craig know in the comments afterwards. I, I think there's a minimum payment split uh, that's not zero. I, I, I don't recall exactly, but yeah, I, I think exactly. there is. Right. some number um we can answer it in the uh yeah on youtube and on facebook uh, once we get the answer because i know if you give all the contributors all the percentage i have i had a book with 16 contributors and if if i gave them all the percentage there would be zero left for me so that suggests that if i only had one collaborator i could give them 100 but i'll test it Kevin, I'll give you 100% of our of our co-authored uh, title. Excellent. I could use an, another nickel, uh, nickel every three months. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, Olga says, hello. Uh, what is the point of promotions? Nobody sees my book unless I promote it myself, right? And I believe Olga is talking about our, um, our merchandising efforts. Mark, so you want to field this? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, nobody will see your book ever anyways, uh, because you're all in, in millions and millions of titles out there. When you are in a promotion, it is a collaboration between you and the end retailer who is promoting your book. So if you're in a promotion, share it. Share that you're part of a promotion. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's in a Kobo promotion right now, which is a 40% off box set promo. And she's not just relying on them to push the promotion out. She's also sharing it and sharing that special coupon code and sharing a link to her book there. So um, I know it's frustrating, uh, but the more uh, the more that you collaborate with whoever is running the promotion for you, uh, the better off you're, go you're going to be. I, I think of it like promo stacking, right? If you have a, a BookBub feature deal and then you also run a bargain book see the day after, uh, you're, you send out a newsletter uh, notification. So you have at least three different things that are hitting. Um, mm. So... Promotions are also hit and miss. Uh, I've been in uh, promos where it didn't really seem to make a difference, and I've been in other promos where it did. Uh, so as an author, I kind of, you know, you cross your fingers, hope for the best, and and, and give it as much of a push. So yep. the point and of promos is hopefully getting new people uh, to, to find your work. That's, in my mind, that's the point of promotions, and obviously yeah. the sell stuff. 
most of the retailers do send out like emails about their promotions. They promote it on their social media. Um, like Mark said, you've got to also promote it yourself. Uh, they're going to promote the books and show the books, like especially at Apple, they order it by the most popular. Um, so if, if you want more visibility, you've really got to push it yourself, which is what the traditional publishers are doing. Yeah. With all of our promotions that we do with the retailers, they're all free. So there's no reason like not to be doing them. Um, if you're not seeing the success that you want, I, I would a like make sure that your book is converting. Like make sure you've got the right cover for your genre. So like if your book isn't selling, a promotion isn't going to help because there's something wrong with the packaging. Oh, you know, yeah. like if it if it's the the book cover, it looks different than the top sellers in your genre. You should probably redo that. Uh, your blurb should read like the top blurbs in your genre. Your blurb should be not a like description of the plot it should be a sales pitch um so so make sure that everything you've got out there is helping convert users over to uh buyers uh once they see it um and i've participated in every promotion like like everyone is going to give you a possibility in getting in front of new people Uh, it's like if you share if the retailer shares if other authors share that that promotion is going on, it's just going to give you the most visibility. Um, so I, I, it's there's never a, a moment where a promotion is pointless unless like, you know, there are some promotions that require you to do a lot of work, like not necessarily the retailer promotions, but some of the promotions out there, there are promotions that cost money. Uh, so you need to make sure that your promotion, like whatever promotion you're doing, is giving you a return on investment. <clears throat> But if the, the promotion is free, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I'm sharing something uh, in the chat uh, called Better Book Descriptions, which is one of our blog posts. Um, if I can actually type at this angle. Uh, and you can feel free to pop over there and take a look at that. There's two of them, actually. That's the first one. Uh, it's about writing uh, book descriptions for fiction. Uh, and then there's one for nonfiction as well, if you, if you follow through. Uh, so... Search book descriptions at uh, uh, draftdigital.com slash blog, and you'll find uh, something. We, we've got enough time. Uh, we, we're, we need to wrap up, but I wanted to get to Shan's uh, question here. It says, I'm 10 years old, and I want to know if I should build a business from scratch or get involved with my mom's business. Um, and we can say right away that one limitation for you, Shan, unfortunately, is we uh, you have to be at least 18 years old uh, to be able to set up an account through us, and that's that's not – us necessarily that's just the law uh here in the u.s um and you but that doesn't mean uh you can't do this i would recommend working with your mom getting set up she can kind of handle the tax stuff and everything on your behalf uh and and you can still publish as long as you're working with a uh, a parent or guardian you should be fine now check me on that uh dan and mark i i believe that's correct but just in case i don't want to give bad advice that's my understanding that uh, Shan working with uh, working with your mom, working with somebody who's 18 or older who can then vouch as an adult because you can't legally sign certain documents. And that's one of the right. one of the things that's uh, our document is that legal. You, you would only want to do it with like your parent or guardian. Um, right. Not yeah. just any 18 year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Because you, 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 you can't establish a legal contract with them. And so. Yeah. Um, but yes. yeah. Uh, a, a lot of younger people, 
it's very difficult to start in publishing and, until you are 18. Uh, a lot of younger people will post on sites like Wattpad and Royal Road. Um, mm -hmm. You don't get paid for that, but you do get a lot of feedback and kind of hone your craft for when you're an adult. So uh, we are at time. We need to go ahead and wrap up. Uh, before we do, I wanted to let you guys know that we, if you are liking this whole live experience with DDD, we have an, something else coming up uh, at 1 o'clock Central today. Uh, we're doing a clubhouse event. Me, Dan, uh, Ricardo Fayette from uh, Reads the, And anyone else, Dan? Anyone else in that? That's it. That's it. Uh, if you're not familiar with Clubhouse, it's sort of like a live stream. It's all audio. Uh, you do need an app to run it. And now they have it on both um, your iPhone and Android device. I dropped a link. Uh, this link that you see on your screen is there, but you can also pop into the uh, the comments and see a link there. Uh, it'll, it'll allow you to actually join and download the app. Uh, so that's at 1 p.m. And we're going to be talking about free tools and resources for authors, uh, the stuff that's out there that allows you to do this no matter what your budget may be. So uh, really kind of excited to, to talk. That's one of my favorite topics is how to do stuff for free. So looking forward to that. Uh, if you are um, on Facebook or YouTube, you have to be right now, right? So uh, we would appreciate it if you'd go ahead and subscribe and follow us on both those platforms. You can go to youtube.com slash draft to digital or facebook.com slash draft to digital and uh, like, follow, uh, click bells, all those things that, that the YouTubers uh, tell you to do. Make sure you're doing that. And of course, bookmark d2dlive.com because that's where we'll have countdowns to each of these live streams. We're doing it at least one a month. We're usually doing like two a month. Uh, and we got some, we do interviews, uh, we do these AMAs, we do all this uh, stuff just for you. It's all free. And it's a great chance for you to learn more about us and the industry and uh, all those free tools we keep talking about. So, that's going to wrap us up for this episode of Self-Publishing Insiders. Dan and Mark, thanks for helping me. Uh, and the, you, you guys carried the load of answering questions. So uh, thank you for making me look good. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> thanks, All right, man. everybody. We'll chat with you next time. Take care. Bye. That's it for this week's Self-Publishing Insiders with draft to digital Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with your will-be author friends. And start, build, and grow your own self-publishing career right now at draft2digital.com.